The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, my guests are Kath Duncan and Kara Jones, who together offer trainings for certified grief support practitioners at at creativegriefstudio.com. Kath Duncan has her master's in social work, as well as certifications in coaching, neurolinguistic psychology, and narrative inquiry inquiry methods. She's grown to love narrative inquiry and now practices and teaches within a narrative approach. Cass' work focuses on grief and loss support. She offers resources for bereaved people at rememberingforgood.com, trains certified creative grief support practitioners at creativegriefstudio.com, and collaborates with Vicki Culling to provide information about the option to bring stillborn and deceased babies' bodies home for family time or a home funeral at whenyourbabydies.com. Cass created and flexible approach to grief support has been strongly shaped by her own love of art making, her master's research on the role of shame in grieving, and her own experiences of different kinds of losses, including pregnancy losses, the failure of Kath's kidneys, and the loss of her focal vision. Kara L.C. Jones co-founded the Creative Grief Studio in 2011 with Kath Duncan to begin offering a continuing education program that would explore the intersection of grief and creativity. Their work is steeped in their personal experiences of learning to live wholeheartedly after loss and is informed by over 25 years of collective professional practice. The studio now hosts a full professional certification program offered twice a year, ongoing short course for professional development, as well as a newly launched summer play shops program that is offering experiential sessions for personal development too. See creativegriefstudio.com for details on that. Carol's an author, an artist, as well as a Carnegie Mellon University graduate, certified in both appreciative inquiry, whole systems coaching, and with Hero's Journey as a key model and as a Reiki master teacher. To learn more about Kara and to follow her blog, you can visit motherhenna.com. Welcome, Kath and Kara. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for having us. <laughs> It's wonderful to have you both here. I've I've really enjoyed getting to know your program by by looking over all the materials uh, that that go along with it. Um, so let's talk. Ta- let's start by talking about that project that you do together, Creative Grief Studio. 
Um, can Kara, can you just start by telling listeners a little more about the program? Oh, sure. Um, Kath and I started working together uh, a few years ago, um, uh, bringing, uh, you know, different ideas that we had from our own experiences and from our own personal experiences and our own professional experiences together. Um, and we created, um, uh, the first thing we created and launched was the full certification program. Um, and that's a four-month program that's got um, um, many weeks of material and lots of discussion and lots of live sessions um, where we really um, wanted people to start thinking creatively about grief experiences and not just death-related grief experiences, but whatever the circumstance of grief. Um, and as that, that program has continued and been um, very successful and we've gotten feedback uh, from alumni, um, one of the things they wanted was um, in some ways more, <laughs> more after the program, um, ways to tap in and continue that education um, as they're out in the field working. And so then we launched the short courses for professional development. Um, and so those are, um, we bring in different topics as, um, they're almost like add-on modules to the certification program, although because they're um, short courses for professional development, they're for anyone, not just alumni. Um, uh, you could jump in at any point for those short courses. Um, and then for the summer, um, we decided to uh, launch a new program um, that's just starting to take shape. We've got the the uh, workshops happening through the summer, um, and they're very um, experiential courses. So it's not a lot of theory. Um, it's not uh, um, a, a huge investment of time uh, and energy. Um, they're you, you come and have a very um, uh, live experience with a facilitator, um, exploring in so many ways. The people who showed up to teach are just amazing um, and yeah. offered us ideas about bookmaking and visualization and clay and photography and um, journaling and just across the board creativity um, to explore grief experiences. And then the, the facilitators are not only going to be live on the first you know, a session where you actually get the experience with them um, online. Uh, they're going to be in the online classroom for a week or so following each session. Um, so there's this expanded discussion space um, to also take your experiences into a community discussion. It's really exciting to see people showing up and, uh, and exploring in these creative ways, you know. And, and all of that, uh, Kath, is online? All of your courses? Yes, all of, the, yes, all of them are online. Um, I'm based in Johannesburg, South Africa, and Kara's out um, just <laughs> off Seattle. Uh-huh. Um, and our program administrator is in Atlanta. So, um, you know, we, we <laughs> are accustomed to um, finding ways to, um, you know, work across the borders. And it's, it's quite exciting because then it means that we have folks joining us. We've had folks from um, Belgium, Finland, UK, um, a lot of folks from various states in the U.S. Um, and also from the provinces of Canada. Um, we've had an Australian, someone from um, New Zealand, um, someone from Dubai, a couple from South Africa. So, so yeah, it, 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 one of the things we love about that is that it, it brings in a diversity of experience, you know, um, 
um, the context that we're in, the context we find ourselves in, um, as in family and culture, um, people's ways of being uh, and, and approaching life, um, that all has a shape uh, and an influence on our grief experience and how we make sense of our losses. And um, the, the core narratives that we tend to bring forward um, in our lives about what grief and loss means and what it means you know who we are if we experience grief and loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's we just love that we get folks joining us from different parts of the world, and um, they tend to have had different experiences in in regards to their meaning making and their grief journeys, as well as different kinds of losses. Yes, and I, I mean I'm having the same experience with this show where I where I get to bring forth voices from across the globe. And I, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful part of living right now. Uh, some people mm-hmm. complain about technology, but I think that mm-hmm. it, it has, it has connected us in a very different way. And what I find is there are differences, of course, and there are also, there's a commonness as well that, that I find powerful. Do you find that as well in your, in your workshops? Yes, for sure. And and people are often surprised at how quickly they're able to find that commonness um, uh, through online media. Um, Because I'd say more than half of the people who join us for our certification programs are um, not internet savvy people. You know, they don't have blogs and hang out on social media. And so this is all very new for them. And they've taken a very brave leap to um, step into the world of online learning. And um, and they often express some, you know, concerns about how's this going to work? Because they do all their work in person. And, um, and particularly as ha- they're helping professionals, so they're therapists. They're clergy, they're spiritual directors, nurses, um, social workers, life coaches. And, um, you know, relationship is obviously very important. And they, they know that through their own training and, and past experiences in their work. And yet they haven't had an experience of how do you do, uh, how do you build community on Line. How do you do relationship if you're not going to look into each other's eyes? You're not going to be able to sit in front of each other, or, um, offer a hug, those kinds of things. And, and um, it's quite exciting to see um, the shifts that take place. And, and um, you know, some people do still decide afterwards, no, I, I really do prefer the in-person way of working with people. Um, but I think all of them have said, wow, we're blown away by how much we're able to form community and a sense of really knowing each other and really supporting each other. And and some have even said that they think there are some advantages to the online format because almost that it could be something like a shame buffer that, that when you can't see people's reactions to what you share about your grief experience, then you, you can sometimes find that you feel more uh, free to share. Uh, I, I've noticed that because I do a lot of social media. You know, I feel that's true on things like Facebook too, that there's mm-hmm. a way that people get comfortable with sharing certain things are very hard generally to share so i i've I've had a similar experience to what you're talking about one of the things that just really um stood out for me in reading your combined um 
perspective on grief is grief as a creative process. I'm, I'm really, uh, uh, it's part of my thinking that we use our creativity in grief, but that's usually thought of like we write a poem, we draw a picture, you know, we do, for me it was music. Um, I sang mm. every day in the, in the most intense period of my grief for my wife. But the idea that grief itself is a creative process uh, really uh, caught my fancy. And I wondered if one of you could talk a little more about that, that the, the creativity it takes to respond to your loss. Mm-hmm. Mm. Terry, do you want to start? Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sure you think- both have things to say about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, um, you know, the, the place, the space that that came out of for me was when we had our first really traumatic grief experience, I had been writing and making art already, and so the metaphors um, in process just really jumped out for me, um, and I just went headlong into that and, and, and allowed the parallels between the creative process and the grief process carry me. And, you know, it's, it can be as... It's that feeling of groundlessness when grief comes, especially if there's a traumatic element to it. Um, you, you can't find ground. You can't. There's a huge gap between what you wanted to have happen and what is happening. Mm-hmm. And and trying to um, make sense of that groundlessness, for me, felt very similar to looking at a blank canvas. What am I doing with this? Yeah. <laughs> Where am I going? Um and then as the process um, progressed and, and, and we had to try different things and look for different types of support and have all of these different kinds of conversations um, as a couple and with our other living children and with our extended family, um, I started to see these parallels of how um, when I'm working on a canvas and I'm layering things up, it, it gets ugly. <laughs> it mm. gets to a place that I just hate it and I think to myself, oh, I want to burn this canvas. I just like, this is not going the way I wanted it to go. And yet I would have this moment of, okay, set it across the room from yourself, turn it upside down and spend some time looking at it. Just ponder it. Turn it sideways. Turn it upside down. Like, let something emerge and see what it is. And that would always let me take my canvases or whatever artworks I was working on to another place. Well, in the same way, I found in the grief process really hard and ugly things were happening. And I could set them across the room for myself and turn them upside down. And I could let something else emerge for them if I, if I did that as a practice. It wasn't easy, and I made lots of mistakes. I don't like saying mistakes, but mistakes. And again, as an artist, going back to sort of like an improv stage, how can I retake, right? How can I do a second mm-hmm. take on what just happened? So just all of that emerged for me really quickly, um, and, and I just ran with it. And then when Kath and I met, and and Kath... Uh, came to me with the idea of doing the studio, I, I just was like, yes, I'm, I'm in. I'll throw my whole being into it with you. Let's go. Um, mm-hmm. Because it just resonated so much for me personally. 
Well, uh, the the thing it brought up for me, um, you know, we'll talk in the next section um, more thoroughly about um, what brought each of you deeply into this work. But um, I know it was sudden for the two of you. For me, it was after a very, very long uh, illness. My mm-hmm. wife was sick for 10 years and then she died. And um, so I had some, you know, you can't be prepared, but you can prepare <laughs> uh, and uh, so I had some notions uh, before she died for the first year after she dies you get whatever you want that you can give yourself anything that's possible you get to have and so when I heard this thing about creativity it really connected with that that I just sort of followed my own nose a lot that year Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to put your hands in the dirt. Okay, go in the backyard. Oh, you want to hear a song. Okay, go play the piano. You know, just sort of following myself. And so I did not um, experience it as horribly disturbing Yeah, because of that. So that's what I was connecting with, with the two of you. And I, um, I'm imagining that that, that resonates uh, a bit for you, that idea of just sort of, you know, following whatever, whatever. Yeah, I think with is. grief, I think with grief, whatever the grief is, whatever your circumstances, there's a sense of being sort of knocked out of the normal sort of everyday pace. And for me, I, I didn't really call it sort of following my nose, but for me, it was, I called it improv, mm. you know, waking up to see what the yes. day well, how was I going to improvise today? What was going to what was going to show up on my stage today? Um, yeah, very much. It, that was yeah. just the way it went. <laughs> Let's take a break and go back to that when we when we um, you know after the break. Sure. Uh, so, listeners, take the, this few minutes to go to my host page and connect with me. There's links to my website and social media so that I can hear what you're thinking about the program and feeling about the program. And you can find Kath Duncan and Kara Jones' program at creativegriefstudio.com. Also, Kath is at uh, rememberingforgood.com. <laughs> and and uh, Kara is at motherhenna.com. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. 
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones. Today I'm talking with Kath Duncan and Kara Jones of Creative Grief Studio. And uh, before the break, we were kind of talking about um, how grief itself requires some creativity, some letting go of, of expectation and, and um, following what comes. And that, f- that fits quite well with just talking about your perspective on grief in general, the things that you um, bring to your trainings and to your own, I think, um, processes of grief after losses. Um, so one is that grief is, um, you know, inherently creative and that also there are particularly creative processes that we can bring to grief, writing, music, uh, painting, whatever works for a particular person. But um, I I also liked some of the other things. Um, I think this is uh, where we were going right before the break. No recipe for grief. That that grief grief is a quite diverse experience. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe a both end experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <laughs> Kath, could you say a little more about that? Yeah, certainly. Just that you know, we view grief as a meaning-making kind of experience, and um, and and because we're we're also diverse in the kind of meaning that we make, um, because our meaning is very contextual. You know, it's influenced by relationships that are all around us, and and um, the way we we're living our life wherever we are in that moment. Um, and the different kind of loss that we've experienced. So, so the meaning making, there's huge diversity. And so, Kara and I kind of stand against the idea that grief is one thing and it looks the same or behaves in some universal way for everyone. Instead, um, you know, we, we're uh, teaching, we're training our grief support practitioners to be comfortable with the fact that um, grief can look and feel and be articulated very differently from one person to the next, um, even if those people have experienced the same loss. Um, you know, something like a, a miscarriage can have very, very different meaning from one person to the next. Um, and so not to assume the meanings, um, but instead to be in the questions, helping by offering people questions that uncover the meaning they're making. And, and they get the editorial power. Again, this is a creative act to be the editor um, and to decide uh, how you want to edit your own meaning making so that it becomes supportive of you being the kind of person you want to be and, and, and um, living wholeheartedly after loss. Um, you, know, you know, it seems to me that the two of you are a very good um, example in the sense that I guess we could say that um, two of your big losses were um, uh, stillbirth, and mm-hmm. yet 
as I understand it from reading both of your um, stories, they were very different in how you experienced them and how you then approached grief. You know, uh, you you really um, exemplify that that individuality, wouldn't you say? I think so. Uh, we, Kara and I often chuckle, uh, and our students chuckle at us as well, because of, we, we bring a different voice and, um, uh, and, and often a different focus in um, our approaches. And, uh, and yes, that is because the, the two of us appreciate that um, grieving can be quite a different experience. Even Kara and I have both had multiple pregnancy losses, and um, she can speak for her own experience on this. But I, I know for me, my pregnancies were different to each other, mm-hmm. um, my, my experience of grief. In, in, um, so, so, so that's a lived experience, and that's something that we kind of um, really recognize in our training and, and the reason why we make our training is so experiential and, and we ask our students to reflect quite deeply on their own grief experiences and draw on that is because if, if you've lived it, it's in your bones, you really get it. It's, it's not theory. It's, it's something that, you know, I can say to you, grief is diverse. It's different from one person to the next. Well, that's a simple idea, but you only get it if you've experienced the reality of that and had a few grief experiences of your own and and wondered at how different they were. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I really do resonate with that just in terms of, you know, having recently lost my mother and the differences between that grief and my grief for my wife or for friends. Everyone is its own experience for many, yeah. many, many different reasons. So I, I really yeah. connect with that. Um, Kara, can you talk some to that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, a lot of the program, a lot of what we've developed, a lot of what we bring to the table, it comes out of our own experiences and comes out of because we're asking our students to have experiential uh, um, uh, sessions first. You know, they come sort of blind to our live sessions. We don't give them reading materials and theory and stuff before the live sessions. Um, Because we ask them to come and have the experience first, um, we get the diversity of their experiences too as we all, you know, uncover that week's materials later. The theory comes afterwards and the, the reading comes afterwards. And I think that was much like my experiences I had um, with my uh, the death of our uh, the first the first experience we had with death was very traumatic was very unexpected it was a full term uh, supposedly healthy pregnancy there was no reason to hear anything other than it's a boy um, and to hear in that moment um, this baby is dead was completely the ground just drops out. Mm-hmm. It was a completely different experience with the other two losses I experienced um, uh, because in those second experiences, I knew a little bit of what to expect. I knew my health wasn't 100%. Um, uh, we just had a different, an entirely different context for what was happening. <clears throat> um, and then the more that that we explore 
you know, me personally, but also, uh, you know, professionally through the program and with our alumni and Kath and I together as friends and in conversations for, you know, what we're doing professionally, the diversity of loss is just, it's just part of being human. I mean, Mm. we're mortal. It doesn't, there's no um, perfect space where everything gets restored and... Everything is, you know, great again. It, even if it's just sure. the flower petals on your desk are going to fall off. Like, that mortality stuff is human. It, it's just part of the process of being alive. And yet, um, I, I'm, I'm uh, relating to this sense that it's, it's different the first time you take that in. That um, yeah. other losses um, happen in a context of having already realized that. Yeah. You know, if if you've really allowed your grief and and interacted with it, you know that when then the next loss happens, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I think that in itself makes it so different, doesn't it? I think so. I think also the context of what happens for you. I, you know, one of the things I love about the work we do and helping people, um, you know, we have this program that where we teach these creative ideas and these creative tools and experientials, but people are then taking these ideas back to whatever niche they've come to us from, funeral home directors, holistic nurses, therapists, hospice uh, folks, you know, they're, they're going back into these diverse areas. And so um, as people are having their different experiences of grief, I think the context of the grief um, can change too. If you, if you had one experience, um, even if it's your first experience, and you have a really experienced hospice person who can bring bring their creativity, right? Um, I think you have a whole different experience than um, something that's very traumatic where you feel really unsupported by the caregivers around. Like, I just think that the amount of diversity of what can happen uh, to mm-hmm. us in the circumstances of the loss and whatever is going on around us are so different for people, Um yeah, I just think it's worth having those conversations um, instead of trying to boil it down to like some prescription, like that everything happens this way. It, Absolutely. That's very limiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think what you raised though for sure is that um, all of us have past experiences, um, some good, some bad, of, of mm-hmm. uh, losses and of resourcefulness. And depending on what those past experiences are, they shape our meaning making right now when something else happens, the next chapter in the story. And um, so part of what we teach is about being able to um, review sometimes those past experiences um, and act creatively um, to uh, to decide what meaning you're going to be making of the past experiences so that it, it, it helps you and supports you to make wholehearted meaning of what you're going through now and what you're carrying forward into the future. So uh, that time frame, that in many ways, uh, grief doesn't have a time frame in the sense of um, a past, a present and a future. For a lot of grieving people will even tell you that they experience it that way, like as though the past is still very much with them. And well, the value of that is that we have um, the ability then to dip into that, that powerful past that feels like it's very much with them still. And we can still go and work there with the meaning that they're making of that past. Um, and, and so we can bring our creativity to past experiences and meaning making around past experiences. And we can also 
uh, sort of project it forward into the future, <laughs> um, in, into what people, what kind of meaning they hope to be making, what kind of um, life they hope to be having into the future. It's not to say we can control the future, but we can, we can still project the meanings we want to make into the future. Well, and, and I think the human brain is a little bit, uh, it has the capacity to envision. And so what we envision does impact us in terms of how we go forward, yes? Um, I, I've noticed so much in doing this show that, that my own losses um, continue to evolve. Uh, the way that I relate to the people I've lost um, changes over time. And, yes. and um, in, some, in some quite beautiful ways... Uh, you know, my parents now are both not living, and uh, um, our our relationships have changed a bunch since their deaths. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, in all isn't that great that relationships can change after death? Well, mm-hmm. I, for some people, relationships get a lot better. <laughs> um, some people say dead people are much easier to be in relationships. <laughs> There's some truth to that, I guess. Sometimes, sure. sometimes. Um, but, uh, but it's also a different kind of noticing. Um, yes. The brush is sort of cleared away, and you can see the whole field in a different, in a different way. At least for me, that's been true. Um, it, there's a, sure. there's some, some way of valuing my experiences with them that would have been hard to do when they were living, I think. Yeah, well, as, as you continue to live, you have new events happening in your life. And they, it's as if they provide new lenses to look back on your past relationships with and, and see new things, see new facets to those mm. relationships. So, um, you know, it's a wonderful thing that, that we can do that. And, and, and there's a lot of um, opportunity for uh, transformation and healing to happen in that kind of space. Absolutely. We're, we're, uh, it's just a couple of more minutes before our next break, and I want to start a, a, a con- conversation that will continue after that, because I think it's a huge subject. The idea of shameless grief. Um, <laughs> first of all, uh, when I read that, uh, of course, I, I was... Um, it, it fit with my views, and then I also was thinking, and yet shame does come up in grief for most people for a, mm-hmm. for a minute or for a really long time <laughs> depending yeah. and um, I'm hoping you can say a little uh, broaden uh, for me your view of shameless grief I mean uh, I think that um, uh, you know it was just a, sort of a basic foundation for what we wanted to teach and and Kath has done a lot um, with her uh, master's thesis around um, the topic, too. Um, and, you know, it's a foundation to the certification program in that we ask people to look at, you know, what what's the big book of grief rules that's telling you what should happen and what shouldn't happen? Mm-hmm. And have you ever questioned those those shoulds, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what happens if you, um, if you do something other than that should, um, and, and just looking at, just being willing to sit with um, what's happening to your meaning-making process um, if you are, um, 
if you are feeling shame around the way you want to do something or around the way you're experiencing something, to, to just start noticing. And, and then the noticings that come, of course, are huge for people. And, and I think when we come back, Kath will have, um, can say a lot more about that, especially yeah, for let's, her. Let's problems. go to our break and then, and then come back and talk to that because uh, there's so much in, in that yeah. phrase, shameless grief. Yeah. So listeners, go to... My website, www.weatheringgrief.com, two Gs on that, or the Good Grief host page. And to find Kath Duncan and Kara Jones, go to creativegriefstudio.com. Back after the break. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm Cheryl Jones, and I'm talking with Kath Duncan and Kara Jones of creativegriefstudio.com. And we were talking, we just began talking about uh, shameless grief before the break. And, you know, I, I sort of apply two thoughts of my own about that. One is this idea that you were talking about before the break of um, not following the rules of grief, whatever they might be in your own head, but following your own instincts, um, following yourself, but also... Uh, I work with grief, of course, in my in my practice, um, most uh, with most of my clients, and um, there's a lot of shame about the loss, whether that makes sense or doesn't make sense. You know, I should have done this, I shouldn't have done that. Um, all these kind of imposed shoulds about the loss itself. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wondered if you could talk about both those things. 
Um, sure. I, I, if I can start with just by saying that um, shame is not a grieving person thing. I just want to be clear about that yes. for the listeners. It's a human thing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's not something that's special in grieving, but I, I, I think it is possible that um, the nature of loss um, and the, the general reactivity that both the griever and everyone around the griever kind of tends to have a strong reaction to it, I think that can can perhaps you know, create an environment that's a little bit more provocative of shame. Um, and as Kara was talking about, um, you know, what what happens is that we we're not in we're not individual islands. We're we, all of us are located in a cultural bubble, and so when we're experiencing our grief and loss, and we're trying to make meaning of it, we're not just doing that by ourselves in our own heads. What we're doing is we're drawing on the multiple voices of the people around us and what they think and say about grief and loss. And in fact, not just right now what they're thinking and saying about it. What did they think and say about it when we were, you know, three years old and we saw mommy and daddy crying about something, or you know, right. Our whole history, our cultural experience of grief and loss gets absorbed into this big book of grief rules that most of us don't even realize we're carrying around. And we don't realize that it was created in this very social way. It's a set of social agreements. Mm. And, and you know, what's, what's great is that, um, you know, shame is this, um, shame, shame is about trying to belong. We need to belong. We want to be in connection with each other. And and it's an attempt to be sensitive to what might bring us out of connection with other people, what might prevent us from belonging. And it's almost an over-sensitivity to that. And and so when we're having a grief experience and we have people who are often well-meaning, um, some of them not well-meaning, just that plain unkind, but for the most part, well-meaning, offering advice about, you know, and, and trying to offer encouraging words and epithets and platitudes and um, religious texts and all sorts of things that, that um, grieving people get offered. Those are different types of meaning-making that they're being offered. And when that meaning resonates for you, it feels beautiful. It feels like, oh, my word, I'm understood, I, and I belong. <laughs> I belong to this social meaning-making. Mm. Um, and the thing is, when it doesn't resonate with our experience, when, like you said earlier, you, you, you thought to yourself, oh, I want to put my hands in the sand, and then you'd go put your hands in the sand. Well, we live in a world where that's not a very grown-up thing to do. <laughs> so... <laughs> So you might have someone in your life who says that to you, you know, and, and in their, you know, desire to protect you from being the crazy lady um, and having the neighbors talk about you, they might, you know, let you know that it's not a very grown up thing to do to put your hands in the sand and go and play in the children's sandpits, even though that's really what you feel like doing and it feels wonderful and, um, and meditative and just sort of brings some insight forward. Um, so that that then can be the space where you have to make sense of how come my experience doesn't resonate with something that's in the big book of grief rules, something that's in a social agreement about how I'm supposed to be after the loss. And what's happened in our modern Western world is that our big book of grief rules is so limited these days. It's you know very informed by capitalism and um, you know modern Western values of we need to get back to work, we need to be productive. 
um, we need to be stoic. We need to mm-hmm. grieve in private. Yes. Um, we need to get over it, basically. And, you know, and we treat it like a project. I mean, you even see it in the, much of the grief language. The grief psychology language is using words like doing grief work and completing the grief tasks. And, you know, so like grief is just this project to complete. <laughs> just like everything else in life, it's work. Um, and most people find that grief is really not like that at all. It's this unpredictable creature. It's groundless. It's mysterious. It's hard to understand. Even if you've experienced it before, it somehow behaves differently this time. And, um, and so people are left with trying to make sense of how come their experience doesn't fit this very simple five stages and, you know, four tasks and tick the box and done. Um, now that now that the funeral's over, um, and very often the sense making then becomes well, then there must be something wrong with me. And the most common question that I find uh, clients grieving clients asking is, "Is this normal? You know, yes. is this normal for me yes. to have this feeling? Is this normal for me to think this? Is this crazy for me to think this? Is this horrible for me to think this? Am I a bad person? All those kinds of questions are really just saying." Is there something wrong with me? <laughs> um, Please comfort and, me. Please tell me I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> tell me I'm normal. Tell yes. me I'm worthy of belonging. And um, and so, you know, because uh, the, the shame research points to shame being a very destructive force. So I say it's universal, but when it's in overdrive and it's, it's there and very actively in a meaning-making process, um, it... it uh, and shaping the new stories that we're making about who we are and about what life means, um, it can be extremely destructive. And, you know, it's correlated with uh, higher levels of post-traumatic stress disorder, with higher levels of anxiety, with higher levels of depression, eating disorders, um, just about any addiction, you know, just a whole host of problems. And we've been blaming those kinds of problems on grief and saying, you know, that, um, this person has a problem, they're stuck in their grief. But uh, Kara and I kind of have come to take the view that perhaps this is a problem of shame rather than grief. Mm, mm. And that, you know, if, if we can help people um, to identify the way that shame is creeping into their meaning making and develop shame resilience. So, you know, but this comes from Brené Brown's work, Dr. Brené Brown's work, the, the right. terminology shame resilience um, because because shame is universal and it's not possible unless you're a narcissist or have a personality disorder <laughs> to it's not possible to have no shame so it's good to have a little but if you have too much um, that's destructive so shame resilience is about coming into a new relationship with your shame so that shame doesn't get to bully you um, you can take messages from it, but it can't bully you. And it, it doesn't get to be the core editor of your stories. You get to be the editor. I, I uh, absolutely agree with you. And Kara, when I was reading your poetry about uh-huh. the loss of your, of your son, um, this was very, you know, I, I have this image myself in working with shame that uh, shame is a mushroom. It, it only lives well in, in hidden, damp, <laughs> hot places, you know. It doesn't, it doesn't live well in the sunshine. <laughs> and so I was thinking about that when uh, you were actually exposing those parts of yourself in your poetry and then sharing that with people that in some way... Um, sharing that experience uh, 
is an antidote. Yes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think because that was part of my <clears throat> experience, I mean, coming into my grief experience, I, I was already an artist, so I, I just did that. I, and when I saw for other people, they, there was some revelation in that for them. I realized, oh, this isn't something everybody does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how can we help to foster that creativity um, and, 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 and so that is part of the program that Kath and I teach, too, and, and all the things that we're doing is really how can we um, have these creative communications with our grief experience, see where the shame is creeping in, um, talk about it, name it, um, and, and then be able to see in the compassionate community of the other participants in the program with us, oh, <laughs> this person has had a completely different experience, and yet, look, they're, they're dancing with shame, too. You know, mm. oh, okay, this is, I'm not weird. <laughs> it's part of the human condition, huh? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. There's such liberation yes. and permission in, in those spaces um, when we discover that, that um, and so that was something I did instinctually, but that what came from having done that was really we wanted to make that the foundational piece of the program um, so that people had a chance to explore. Absolutely. And, and of course, um, you know, I, to just circle back around to this idea, shame's there without grief or with grief, um, I, I think of it as kind of someone turning up the volume when you're experiencing a profound loss. That uh, the, whatever inhabits your mind and heart becomes very loud. <laughs> so for, for me, loss was a was a chance to actually identify those places in me that that um, lived in shame. Yeah, and and I, I'm guessing you've had that experience with people also of of um, it becoming more accessible, whatever your inner dynamic is. Yeah, you know, like I said earlier about um, having a, a grief experience kind of knocks us out of the everyday patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the you know I had you know I know some people have real reactions to anything about a gift, but part of the insight or gift that came for me personally and what I see with people in my work is that by being knocked out of the normal patterns, um, having it turned up, like you said, um, having the, that intense space of exploration, we see things we didn't see before. Um, we, we notice where we want to change the meaning, like, you know, as Kath was saying, where we can be an editor. Um, there's a lot of opportunities in there if we um, have the, the space and support to explore creatively, I think. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I've been become very interested in uh, the field of study called post-traumatic growth. Yes. Mm. And, and that's helped me have languaging for um, the difference between, um, you know, the loss being a gift, mm-hmm. um, which, which has never resonated with me at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> take uh, it no, back. it's not. <laughs> I don't want this gift. It's yeah, yeah. You can take it I'm back. Really like my now. Uh, the difference between that and saying what I've made of this is a gift. My struggle with the loss has resulted in in transformation for me, and that's of course the heart of this show. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. that 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 struggle can bring gifts. 
But yeah. that the, the loss itself, of course, is not a gift. That would be, for me, would feel kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's part of that practice. I mean, I, you know, one of the things we say over and over again in the, <clears throat> in the course is that this is all a practice, not a perfect. And I think when the grief experiences come, it's like a more intense version of the practice. And and when you're practicing whatever you're practicing, yoga, creativity, painting, you know, the more practice you have, um, the more kind of feedback you get from the process, right? It's not really about the product, the finished, pretty outcome, whatever. <laughs> it's the process um, that's involved and, and the practice. And there's so much in that for people, um, not just in the grief experience. It ends up cascading into their living experience. Which, of course, has a lot to do with what are we resisting? What is a loss? What do we resist and what do we welcome? Um, You know, that's daily, isn't it? Yeah. At least for me, uh, that's that's a kind of daily practice. Am I opening to what's happening Mm -hmm. or or not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The practice of noticing where you can sit with discomfort or... Um, you know, how, how do I sit with this? How do I sit with the groundlessness? How do I um, sit with whatever you want to sit with? It's it's kind of a little easier to sit with the things we call pleasurable, <laughs> um, maybe. But it's, so it's maybe a little more practice to sit with the things that are not as comfortable. But it's practice, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think it takes practice to believe that you can create something that you love out yeah. of... An experience that you didn't want. I think that's also sort of where the creativity comes in and the practice of, um, you know, it's easy to expect that you're going to go on to create wonderful things out of good things that have happened. (laughs) But when something happens and it's unexpected, it's not what you wanted to, to then believe that you can go on to be and create more of what you love from that. To to choose to choose to make it a, a hero's journey instead of just a terrible experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, see see how far you can walk with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds as if everyone who does your program uh, is already working with grief in some way. Yes. Or the do you have some people? Program. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so the, the, that the certification program and the continu- the short courses for professional development are are people who are already in the field being helpers. Um, the summer play, play shops program is actually they're experiential. They're for anybody. Um, we have a lot of people who are um, doing the work, of course, interested in the in the summer play shops as well. Um, but it's a very um, personal experience, and, and you don't have to be working in the field. You can just have had whatever experience you had and want to experience. So the the summer play shops program is a a, a, a bigger audience, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yes, it does make sense. And, and um, you know, I, I've been thinking about my own particular experience, especially when my guests had a very sudden uh, loss. It makes me reflect on something that at the time I would never have uh, said, the value of a very long uh, loss experience, mm. you know, <laughs> uh, the, and in a way... Uh, we're all going to have lost experiences. 
So we could all begin to explore that in ourselves right now. Uh, That made me do it for an extremely long time. But everyone out there in our listening audience who is just professionally curious but hasn't had a huge loss, uh, I think, could try it on. Yes? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So I hope people will go find you. Um, This hour has gone very quickly, and I hope we stay in touch because your your work really resonates with me, as you can tell. So thank thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. For me, too. You can find my guests, Kath Duncan and Kara Jones, at creativegriefstudio.com or at their personal websites, rememberingforgood.com and motherhenna.com. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.